Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we're talking about Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. This is our book club episode for May. This was one of my most speed reads ever. I think I didn't even blink reading it, basically. (laughs) All in one sitting. It is such a fun book, and I'm excited to talk about it with Becca. I'm very excited. But before we do that, this episode is sponsored by Knight, the makers of our favorite silk pillowcases. If you're ready to upgrade your sleep experience, you can take 20% off almost everything on their site at discoverknight.com with code BADONPAPER. We'll tell you more about it later in the episode. Let's talk about some highs and lows. Let's do it. What is your high? I will be honest with you that I am having quite a low month. I do not know if I believe in Mercury retrograde, but it's putting on a show. So I'm having a rough time right now. I will say if I had to pick a high, last night I went to a launch event for the third American Royals book, which is called Rivals, and it comes out on May 31st. And we actually did both book one and book two as book club picks for the podcast. It's one of my favorite series. It's basically like the premise is what if the United States had a monarchy? So like what if George Washington had become the first king rather than the first president? And it's just like really fun and escapist. But yeah, I went to the launch event for the third book last night I've gotten really friendly with the author through this podcast. And so it was great to see her. It was great to like have an IRL book event. And it was also at Stony Clover Lane, which I had never been to the store before in New York. And it is, it's like a candy shop. Really? I, that's the same brand that did the Target collaboration, right? Recently or no? Am I imagining this? They did. I'd never bought anything from them. I really wanted, they did an American Girl doll collection a few maybe like a year ago. And I have like a deep kinship with my Samantha doll. Like I, I had a Samantha seated... too. Oh, you don't, you seem like a Kirsten. Oh, I, I had a Samantha. We had the matching nightgowns, which is terrifying oh. in retrospect, but at the time seemed very fun. Olivia, I don't know if you know this. I have seated formal portraits with my Samantha doll. <laughs> I wish you guys could see my face right now. Oh, wait, wait. Okay. I mean, I was an I only child. To, I need to see these. I will I will text them to you. They're on my Instagram. I can repost them for this for this episode. I feel like I post them once a year. Oh my god. I hope you have them framed in your house somewhere, as you should. I don't have them framed in my house. I just don't it doesn't really go with my decor anywhere. But anyway. It's a good point. <laughs> I wanted a Samantha pouch from the collaboration, but they sold out in two seconds flat. Oh, that's such a fun location for an event. Yeah, Sounds it awesome. was really fun. I read the first book in that series and I really enjoyed it. Cool. Well, I'm glad you had fun. What is your high? So my high was my trip to Portugal. I got back about a week ago at this point. It was a little bit stressful going because we weren't sure about if our third friend was going to make it. And she ended up not being able to, which was, of course, you know, really sad. But we were able to have a really great trip. It was actually kind of awesome with two people because each of us sort of did our own thing during the day and then met up for dinner or drinks or whatever, um, tours together, of course. It was just lovely. The weather was beautiful. I met so many cool people from all over the world. And it just really made me feel so, I don't know, it just brought me a lot of joy. So yeah, it was a good time. I was following along on Instagram and it looked incredible. I've been to Portugal once. It was somewhere that I liked so much more than I expected to. And I kind of thought of it as like somewhere I was checking off and I was like, no, I definitely want to go back here. 
Oh, absolutely. And I met so many people who were solo traveling. It would be the perfect place to go on a trip by yourself. And it was very different than what I thought, but really just like warm and inviting and cosmopolitan. But of course, there's all of the old architecture. It was just really, really great. So yeah, I'm thankful for for that week with my friend. So do you want to go over lows? You said the whole month is kind of a low. But... Yeah, I I don't know what is going on. I mean, to set the stage, everything in my work life is in some form of limbo or actively falling apart. So that's like the baseline from which we're starting. Found out last week, my apartment building is being sold. So... Oh, chaos. Chaos. So I don't know what this means. I don't have a lease. I'm currently month to month. So legally, they could ask me to leave with 30 or 60 days notice. It really depends who the building gets sold to and what they want to do with it. Like, do they want to knock it down? Do they want to renovate it? Or do they want to just keep it as an income generating property? So I am so stressed about this. And there's literally nothing I can do because I can't get any answers until we figure out who is buying the building. I also have no idea how long it takes to sell a building. Like I know the real estate market's really hot. Is this going to fly? Is it going to take a while? Like how long does it, the closing process take on a building? So I'm just like beside myself because it, it's like, okay, the work stuff is a mess. And now on top of that, it's like, oh, and I don't know where I'm going to live and might need to spend so much money moving. Cause like, you know, even just first last security, getting a moving truck, like it's expensive. Yeah. And I feel like even when you know you're moving and you know, you have that in the future, it is still the most physically, emotionally, and spiritually stressful experience in life. So throw this in on top of it. Yeah, I don't blame you. I honestly, you seem very calm and collected. I would I'm not. be weeping. I'm not probably all the time. It's probably because it's been a week and I've I've gotten some of this out, but my anxiety is sky high right now. Like just truly sky high. I I understand. I would not be functioning. I hope you get answers soon for your sake, your mental health. I hope so too. Like I don't know if I want I want this to go quickly so I know what happens or if I want it to go slowly because that buys me more time here. So I don't know what I want. I feel like either way, there's not going to be enough time. So I just hope it's whatever. I don't know. I hope you're able to find a solution that. I want to stay here. Like it's such a terrible market to buy anything in. Apparently there's a one bedroom shortage in New York City right now because so many people broke up over COVID. So there's like not really one bedrooms. So like the rental market kind of sucks. The stock market sucks. So if I wanted to like take money out and buy something, like it's not the right time. I just like, I feel like I have no good options. And this is how Becca moved to Philly. No. <laughs> oh my God. Honestly, honestly, I... Get on Zillow. See what's out there. Oh, I, I have been stalking Zillow. I've been stalking Street Easy for rental listings. Just like know what's out there. I like had this this panic the day I found out and I was like, am I going to move to Boston? Am I going to move upstate? Am I going to move? Like, I, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. On the positive side of things, this could be the start of something really wonderful and new and unexpected, even though it's no, I don't, terrible right now. I don't have any bandwidth for new or unexpected. Like, I feel like my oh. whole life is falling apart. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. But maybe we want on the other side of it, it will be positive and stable. Oh, thank you I know. For it's hard to, to see right now. Face on it. <laughs> I get it. Well, I hope that there's a solution. I hope so too. Tell me your low. Take 
take the pressure off me. My low is, it's not exactly a low. I don't know. I guess my low is I feel kind of similarly to you. I feel like everything right now is at a very just weird state of life. Everything is kind of going at a really fast pace. And maybe that's because it just feels that way after the last two years. I don't know. But I feel really like excited about work and projects and creative things and traveling and life. And so I constantly am like, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do that. I find that I'm getting distracted easily and I'm not focused on any of these. And then at the same time, I'm like, I want to travel everywhere in the world. But also the idea of having a home and like a garden and a backyard sounds really nice. And there's not really a way to do both right now. Um, Cause I'm unfortunately, you know, not a millionaire, but Anyway, so it's not a bad problem. It's kind of nice to feel excited about things and hopeful, but sometimes I feel like I'm like a, I don't know, going a million miles per hour in my brain. So there are worse things. I can't complain, but. No, that's stressful. Like just being, I don't know, like wanting everything, but like not knowing what you want when they're in competition. Yeah. And this is a common theme for me, just like wanting all the things all the time. I wish I just had a clone of myself, honestly. It would be terrifying, but convenient. Hmm. <laughs> Becca's like, I don't wish that. <laughs> well, I, I think the way cloning works, not to get too technical into this, is that your clone would start as a baby. So, like, you would have to raise your clone. No, a baby me is a terrifying concept. Sorry, Mom. This really ties into my fear of having children. But But anyway... Maybe we should take an ad break. Let's take an ad break. Today's episode is sponsored by Night, a brand that exists at the intersection of beauty and sleep using textiles to solve your sleep woes. As someone who likes to go to sleep cocooned by no less than five to six pillows every night, I've tried many a pillowcase in my life. I used to think that I wasn't all that picky when it came to the materials of the pillowcase, but Night's chill pillowcase has officially changed my mind. So I'm on the Tri Silk Lux pillowcase team. And I've been using this one for a really long time. And it doesn't surprise me to hear that the chill pillowcases are just as good. But I'm also, I don't know if I'm in the market to switch. Night knows exactly how to give you the best sleep ever. But the benefits of their pillowcases extend to the daytime too. For example, when I do my hair with my Dyson Airwrap, I know that it's going to look good for that much longer when I sleep on my night pillowcase because my hair doesn't snag during the night and it doesn't give me that bedhead that like wrecks my blow dry. And honestly, like who wants to deal with a bad hair day first thing in the morning when you have emails and writing and meetings and a million other things to deal with? Exactly. Not me. Before using night products, I actually had no idea that your hair can snag on a cotton pillowcase when you sleep. I had never thought of that. And not to mention how much your pillowcase can affect your skincare. All that expensive moisturizer that you've been laying on before bed, it's probably soaking right into that cotton pillowcase. Not only does a silk pillowcase help you avoid this problem, but it's also hypoallergenic, which is an added benefit. So if you're ready to upgrade your pillowcases, go to discovernight.com and use code BADONPAPER, all one word, for 20% off almost anything on the site, including all of their pillowcases. Again, that's discovernight.com with code BADONPAPER for 20% off. All right. Do you want to do the summary? Yeah, let's get into this book. Introduce everyone to this fun book. 
So the book is told in two timelines. In the first one, Connie Horowitz is a struggling writer in L.A. in her mid-20s. And while her grad school friends have gotten book deals, she's writing for a women's magazine and pouring her heart out on a blogspot blog. So she gets assigned to write a profile of her number one celebrity crush, Gabe Parker, who's an up-and-coming actor who's been tapped to be the next James Bond amid much criticism. So their interview over lunch turns into a whirlwind weekend where Hani accompanies Gabe to a movie premiere and then to a party at his house. And when the article comes out, there's broad speculation that something romantic happened between the two of them over the weekend of their interview. Then in the second timeline, which is 10 years later, Connie has recently moved back to L.A. from New York after her divorce. She's gone on to become a successful writer publishing collections of essays. And while Gabe's first Bond movie was a success, his career has been on a downhill trajectory amid his own divorce, struggles with alcohol, and verbal altercations with directors. Now he's sober and trying to stage a comeback in the remake of the movie The Philadelphia Story. Connie gets tapped to recreate their interview on the 10-year anniversary of the original one. And reunited, we get to see the impact that the interview had on both their lives, watch them reckon with what they mean to each other, and find out exactly what happened on that fateful weekend 10 years ago. That was a great summary. So, Becca, tell me your feelings about the book. I loved this. So, I think what I really liked, it felt different than other books in this kind of vein that I've read before is I really liked the 10 year difference between the two timelines because I feel like in a lot of romances you know obviously you have to have flawed characters they're creating all of these problems for themselves and then it kind of everything gets wrapped up really neatly at the end versus this there's 10 years in between where I feel like much more can happen to them and change them and I really liked seeing them come back together 10 years later in Gabe's case, like he had gone to rehab multiple times, like they'd both gone to therapy, like they were very different people and seeing them come back together, I thought was really, really interesting. For example, in the idea of you, it's this really tumultuous summer, I feel like is the timeline. You know, they can't be together then, but it's like, okay, what about later? What about the people they turn into? And so I just really loved the full circle-ness of this. Also, just celebrity, normal person romance is my favorite trope. So like anything in that vein jumps to the top of my list. But I'm curious, what did you think of this? I, okay, so I will be honest. When I first started reading this, it took me a bit to get into it. And I think it's because even though the romance really builds over the story, like you're immediately into Honey's thoughts about Gabe and she's a journalist. So I don't know, it was just... I felt like it kind of gave some away because like obviously she was attracted to him, but immediately in that first interview, she was like, I want to have sex with him. It kind of threw me off a bit because I was like, oh, wait, where's the buildup? But then you get that anyway. To your point, though, about the 10 years, I also really loved that. And I think part of why I loved it is in a lot of ways, this is a very unrealistic (laughs) premise, but I feel like it made it more realistic or more like, oh, this could happen to someone like one of my friends, someone I worked with in a magazine because they had those 10 years of life and divorces and ups and downs and all of that and conflict and tension. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I flew through it once I got over like that first little little hump and it was just so fun. Yeah, I loved it. Did you like the insertion of kind of the interstitials in it where there were 
excerpts of Connie's article. There were blog posts about Gabe taking on the Bond role. There were reviews of Connie's future books. Like, do you like that? I enjoyed it. I think what it did for me was make it feel like, I guess, more realistic. It, it helped me think of like, okay, what celebrity would this sort of fit with in real life? But what about you? So I... I do not think the article itself added much for me because it kind of just summarized what happened. It did help to show like, here's what's happening and then here's how she spun it or here's what she included or didn't include. But I didn't think like the way the article is built up, it was built up to be such an incredible article. Like I didn't think the excerpts from the article were that incredible. I had the same feeling actually. Yes. However, I did think that the other aspects, because I feel like so much of their relationship was also about what other people thought of them individually. So seeing some of those blog posts of what people were saying, I thought was really, really interesting and, and lended to like, even though of course, like I could have used my imagination, I think it lended to some of the richness of what was in their heads. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think when you're in the dialogue between the the two of them, it was obviously like, okay, this is a romance between two people. And then you zoom out a bit and you're like, oh, actually, this would be very difficult if I had, you know, tabloid or a blog or whatever writing about me. Let's listen to a listener voicemail question. Hi, Becca and Olivia. I'm so glad you're taking voicemails for Funny You Should Ask because I've been saving this question for you. Were there any male celebrities you were picturing while reading about Gabe? I didn't know about the Chris Evans inspiration until after I read the book, but I kept picturing Jacob Elordi, uh, specifically from The Kissing Booth, as the 20s Gabe, and then John Mayer as the older Gabe, despite the fact that they don't really look alike. Maybe I was personally clouded by John's Montana connections there as well. I don't know. Anyway, interested to hear your thoughts, and uh, thanks for all the hard work that you guys put into your podcast. Uh, I look forward to it every Wednesday. Bye. So, Olivia, when you read it, did you know that this was based on the Chris Evans article? I did. And it's all I could see. Oh, and okay. Honestly, that was okay with me. <laughs> okay. I did not know when I first read this. I read it before it came out the first time. And then I reread it for book club. I was picturing Channing Tatum. Oh. There was something about Gabe keeps saying that everyone thinks he's dumb and a hick. And that gave me Channing Tatum vibes. Mm. And that you know, he was then this like hot hunk of meat. So that's who I was picturing. I could, I could absolutely see that. I, I don't know that Channing Tatum would be a good James Bond though. So I don't think it's quite perfect. I don't know if Chris Evans would be a, a good James Bond. Looks wise. I, I mean, think can you he... think of anyone American that you can picture as James Bond? Hmm. Not off the top of my head, but I'm sure I. Yeah, it's difficult, right? It's difficult. Yeah. I agree that I don't know that Chris Evans is, but I think like looks wise, he maybe more so is. Yeah, I get that. He's a little more like, I was going to say boy next door, but I don't know if James Bond is. It's the hair. It's the hair. Like Chris Evans has, like I could see him with kind of a debonair suave haircut versus I can't really picture Channing Tatum with anything other than a buzz cut. Me either. I don't even know if he's capable of growing his hair further than that. Has has anyone checked in on this? We need answers. I don't, I don't know. And I feel like that would just give Bond kind of this like way too ex-US military vibe. Yeah, which that's not how it's supposed to be. No. But I have to say that this Jacob Elordi, John Mayer thing 
I could see 1000%. And I thought it was so smart because I could kind of see it, but. But no, I don't know. I can't. I mean, I feel like Jacob Elordi's thing is that everyone overly sexualizes him, but it's not that they think he's dumb necessarily. I'm going purely on looks. What I saw, oh, purely what, on what looks. I saw in like vibes. What oh, I, sure. Sure. But, but I see your point there. Yeah. I could see Jacob Elordi as a James Bond, actually. Too young, but like, in t- give him 20 oh, years. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, eventually. Yeah. But he's not American. Exactly. He's he's Australian, right? Yeah. Or maybe he's from New Zealand. He, he's something in that. I feel like you need an accent and it can't be an American one. Or Well, Gabe, Gabe was learning the accent. That's true. It. That's true. Okay, so... Now we have to ask, what celebrity would you lose your mind over if you were asked to interview them? Like in a thirsty way? Yeah. See, I think this is a complicated Mm -hmm. question because there are people that I would freak out to interview, but I wouldn't necessarily be like instantly attracted to them. Right? I mean, yeah, like totally. Like I would be very intimidated to interview Taylor Swift, but I wouldn't be like, (laughs) let's date. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be like really thirsty. <laughs> okay, so who's the person that's at the intersection of those things? Like you both I don't know who's at the intersection, but the thirst one, I have had a lifelong crush on Scott Foley. Who is that? Oh wait, no, is he in a scandal? He is in scandal, yeah. He was Noel on Felicity. <laughs> this is so specific, Becca. It's so specific. He was Noel on Felicity and then he was Jake on Scandal. He was recently in the the big leap as the bad director, like the mean villain guy. I just, I have such a crush on him that is like really persisted through time. Okay. So I feel like that would be it for me. I, I don't think that he is a big enough actor that he would be in this situation, but I would be but you would beside myself with thirst. That's all that matters. And this would be the same 10 years ago. Yep. You would choose. Mm-hmm. That's, that's admirable. I don't know if it w- if I would choose it 10 years ago, but like I, my crush has like really persisted from my teen years till now at varying levels of intensity. I don't know how to describe this, but I feel like we could get him on the podcast. I feel like I would be too embarrassed now that I've said this publicly. I will also just say while I'm just spewing embarrassing things, he doesn't really post on Instagram that much. So I follow his wife because she does. <laughs> oh my God. What's her name? Marika. I can't remember her last her, Maybe her she's last a listener. Name. Oh, God. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. He also has, like, three kids. Like, it's not going to happen. But anyway. Oh, I, take, I, I, will, I will hope for us that it does just for fun. Who, who would be your thirst interview? <laughs> okay. So, first person that came to Can mind I guess? when I saw this question. You're not going to guess. Oh, okay. Okay. So... I have this weird thing for Jason Bateman. <laughs> okay, this is so funny. Because was that I who you were going to guess? No. Because I will walk out of this <laughs> room right now in shock all. if you were going to guess not Jason Bateman. <laughs> it's really funny because I watched this video of Jason Bateman this morning and it was on mute. And I literally thought that it was Tignataro for like the entire thing. 
<laughs> and then I read the caption, but like the work he's he's had a lot of filler and like a lot of Botox, and I literally watched this video on mute thinking it was Tignantaro. Okay, here's why. I don't know why this was the first person that came to mind, but I listened to the podcast he has with Will Arnett. Smartless. Yeah, 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 Smartless. And I f- just find him so funny and weird. And I'm just, I guess that's, I just like funny and weird. But in terms of like a more traditionally like heartthrob type of person, mm-hmm. I mean, Jacob Lordy is beautiful. I, I don't. But he's young. I don't think I would feel intimidated by him because I would feel like from a power dynamic. But he's like he's hot six and foot young. Five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's hot and young. But I'm like, you're 24. So like, not that I am smarter than him, but I would feel like I was going into it. So from a power dynamic perspective, I would be like, well, you're hot and hot and young. But like, I've got some years of living on you. This is actually brings up something that I, I had a problem with in the book at the beginning. I feel like no matter how confident in yourself you are or whatever, if you're a journalist going into this situation, there's no way you're even entertaining any thoughts like that because you're so like, that's such that's a far fetched possibility. Well, I mean, you can think, Oh, this person is really hot, but I don't know if I would think like, I don't know how I would let myself go there, I guess, because I don't know how you, interview someone and have those thoughts at the same time like I would have to section off my brain like maybe I'd go home and be like damn but I don't oh, know I how think I, I would in the moment both in different places of my brain but I would feel like it was so far-fetched that anything would happen or it would be reciprocated that it would just feel I don't know I think it would feel safe because it was never going to happen yeah okay that's tr- I guess I could see that yeah so has Back to Jason Bateman. Has Jason Bateman always been your gay Parker? No. <laughs> no, this is just the first person that came to mind when I read this because I just, I, I find him really funny and I love Ozark and I don't know. Who was the pre-Jason Bateman Gabe Parker of your heart? I feel like I go through phases. When I was, this is, will give you a good sort of, um example of how I am with celebrity crushes. When I was like in middle school, I made a slideshow on um, like Microsoft PowerPoint presentation and it was called Hot Hot Guys of America and Possibly Other International Countries. Olivia, tell me this exists and I can see it. Tell me you still have have it. I have a a photo of it on my Instagram that I found in college. So that's all. You need to send it to me. I'll post it. Anyway, so it had a list of all of these guys who I found incredibly attractive and all of their, like, information. (laughs) How tall they were when they were born. Yeah, of course. Like, playing cards. Anyway, so there was just a selection of them. And over the years... Who? Give me names. Ashton Kutcher was on there. Mm. Gavin DeGraw was on there. Ooh. (laughs) I can't picture Gavin DeGraw not wearing a fedora oh, in my he, mind. He does. He wears other things. They're just, it's just all hats. But in my mind, he, I can only conjure an image of him wearing a fedora. He did that to himself, though. It's yeah. like when you only wear a hat for 15 years, it's just what you, it's what yeah. you're, you know. I don't know who else, though. Like, I'm sure there are other people that I find incredibly hot. I know there are. But there's, it's almost like there's been so many that it's hard mm. for me to choose just one. Okay, so you're sticking with Jason Bateman. I, okay, maybe this is why. Because I listen to Smartless, I feel like I know Jason Bateman more. 
Uh-huh. I don't. But I feel like I know about him. I know his personality more. And so then I would feel more intimidated. Where I should feel more comfortable, but I'm like, oh, I don't know. Don't judge okay. me, people, for liking Jason Bateman. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not judging you. We're just confused. Let's take an ad break. <laughs> oh, okay. If you follow me on Instagram, then you probably know there are a few things in this world that bring me more joy than discovering a new cute dress. Bonus points if that dress is versatile, comfortable, breathable, comes in an inclusive size range. That's a big point. That's why I'm so excited to talk about Tradlands, the company behind the dress that I happen to be wearing right this very second. You can't see it, but trust me, it is very cute. I can vouch for her both that she is wearing it and that it is cute. Thank you. I feel like the whole internet is talking about the coastal grandmother aesthetic, and I am so in. I got the Nico linen dress in Sedona. It's this brick red linen dress that feels just specifically made for shopping at farmer's markets or making s'mores at a beach bonfire. And I also love the ethos behind this company. So Tradlands believes in clothing that you can live in now and love forever, clothing that makes you feel like your best self, and designs that move with you throughout your busy days. Plus, because Tradlands focused on things like cost per wear, you don't have to worry about your Tradlands pieces falling apart after one or two cycles in the washing machine like other fast fashion brands. And that makes it a better investment for you and the environment. I have to tell you that there is a hot pink version of the dress that Becca chose, the Nico dress. And when I tell you I was so close to also getting that one, it, it's just so adorable. My dress, though, is the chalet tear dress in olive, which was actually inspired by the Nico dress. So it makes sense that I love both so much. I appreciate that the chalet dress is almost a maxi dress, but not quite, which makes it look elegant, but still casual enough to wear every day. I also love that it's available to a 5X, which is amazing. The best part, though, is that I can already imagine roughly 100 different ways to wear this with sneakers, lace-up sandals, heels, sweaters, lots of different jewelry, just pretty much endless options. Plus, because it's made of a combination of tensile and linen, it's ridiculously comfortable and breathable. And Tradlands doesn't just offer dresses. They have everything from shorts and pants to skirts and tees to sweaters for layering. If the chalet tear dress or Nico dress sounds interesting to you and you're looking to add some quality pieces into your wardrobe this spring and summer, go to tradlands.com slash badonpaper to shop and use code badonpaper for 20% off your order. That's T-R-A-D-L-A-N-D-S dot com slash badonpaper and then use code bad on paper, all caps, for 20% off your order. Let's listen to another voicemail from a listener. Hey, Becca and Olivia. This is Danielle. I love the podcast and I try to keep up with your book club picks anytime I can. So Red Funny You Should Ask liked it a lot. I think it was really fun. Um, Gave me Daisy Jones vibes a little bit and and a couple of other books, of course. Love the trope of famous, non-famous person. Two things for this book that (laughs) bothered me just a bit was, I don't know if you guys agree, but did you find some of the language around sexual experiences or just her romantic feelings toward him a little cringy at times? Just felt like some of it was a little over the top and just not the way that I would have expected it to be written. So just wondering if you guys had that same opinion. And then number two, I work in PR, so you have to forgive my occupational hazard of 
<laughs> not believing this part, but I just don't believe the part about this whole interview process. <laughs> it would be, I've done many a celebrity interview from the PR perspective and there's questions in advance that need to be approved and you know there's so much prep that goes into it on both sides there would be a PR person present for him look I can suspend disbelief because I really liked the book but I just wanted to point that out and see if anyone else had the same reaction or if it was just my crazy public relations mind so anyway love the podcast thanks so much bye okay so on the first point This is really interesting because Grace read this book as well. And she noted that she felt like it was very cringe. And I think she reacted the same way about some of the sexual descriptions. I was not bothered by it. I thought that 26-year-old Hani was really awkward and horny. And like it was like a product of her youth. And then in the later timeline, it really showed how she'd grown just even in terms of how she thought in her head because the book was told in first person. And so I just kind of saw that as like part of the immaturity of her in the first timeline versus how she becomes more mature. So like it didn't bother me. It felt it felt right to the character. I don't know. What did you think? I think that's a really good point. I think having gone back and reread that section... Like I said, I think for me, it was just that that came before you're really getting to know her as a character. So in retrospect, I think what you're saying makes total sense. Like over time, you don't think about it anymore because it makes sense for her age, for her youth. But in the moment, it's it seems like a little out of place because I feel like I didn't know her at that point in the story. So I, I could definitely see what this this listener said in this voicemail. And I felt similarly, but it didn't surprisingly actually it didn't affect how I how much I liked the book uh and I think that maybe speaks to how your opinion of it changes as you read and get to know her I also feel like there's a difference between her internal monologue and the dialogue where in the dialogue she's just awkward like she's bumbling and awkward but she's not saying anything lecherous or or weird and so like having those thoughts in her head felt realistic to me like if I was sitting across from Chris Evans I would probably be so thrown off and having all sorts of thirsty thoughts about him. (laughs) Yeah, you know, this probably speaks to maybe some, like, self-image issues I have, but I don't even know if I'd let myself go there because I'd be like, of course I don't deserve to have these thoughts about this person who is so amazing. I'd be like, I don't know. I don't think I'd let myself go there. But maybe that says more about me than it does about, you know, what that character should have been like. You deserve all the Chris Evans in the world. I mean, I know you're married, so I mean, like, don't. Thank you so much. No, we all do. I mean, I think we should all be open to having those thoughts. But yeah, I I don't know. But thank you very much. What about the second part? So, I mean, you haven't worked in PR, but you've worked as a journalist doing celebrity interviews. This didn't bother me. Like, I was able to suspend my disbelief here that, like, yes, I understand that there would probably be a PR person and she probably would have, like, prepped more. But, like, for the sake of the story, I was willing to roll with it. Did it feel really off to you? I didn't even think about that. But it is a good point and probably true. I don't think I've ever interviewed a celebrity and there's not be a PR person present. But then again, like, for these interviews with celebrities that are, like, these cover stories that are a huge deal, I think it is more of, like, a days long kind of get to know you type of experience and 
I don't think a PR person is at all of those. I'm sure they review the story and whatnot, but yeah. I got to ask, you've interviewed celebrities before. Do you have a most embarrassing celebrity interview story? Hmm. I don't have an embarrassing one. I have someone else's embarrassing one that is very short. And I don't think she would mind me saying because um, she shares it quite often. But someone I worked with at Bustle (laughs) interviewed Blake Lively and Blake Lively told her she had lipstick on her teeth, (laughs) which I was like, that would that would be a moment that would stick with me, too. Oh, I feel like that's nice of Blake Lively to tell her rather than letting her sit there the whole time and then you go oh, into no. the bathroom. It's very nice. But I think in the moment, it would be really like... Sure. Oh, it would be... Now, uh, I was already nervous and now I'm really panicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have any embarrassing stories. Carrie Washington did tell me to stand up straight. Speaking of... There's a Scott... What? There's the Scott Foley connection. And okay, not in a mean way. What happened was that she's... Well, I'm six feet tall, so I'm tall compared to everyone. And naturally, over time, I've just gotten used to, like, trying to make myself smaller in photos, like, hunching down because it, like, looks awkward to me if I'm, like, 17 feet taller than the other people. I think I said something when we were taking a photo together, like, oh, like, I'll try to, like, crouch down or whatever. So, And she was like, you should, you should always stand up straight and, like, own your height. And it was just so nice. It was, wow. it, <laughs> it was so nice. And then in terms of interviewing male celebrities, so I haven't interviewed a lot. However, I did interview Kit Harrington, and I've talked about this before on Instagram. Was so it in person? It was in person. Did he smell good? Yeah, it was, yes, it was for a cologne. <laughs> but I, I kept thinking about this interview and reading this book because it was an example of a celebrity who I was like, oh, yeah, of course, you're very attractive. Like Jon Snow, we all get it. You have the hair you know, hot, of course. But it's not like he was like my, he's no Jason Bateman, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Who is? Tignataro. <laughs> for the record, I don't see that. I do, but I don't. I don't know how to I gotta find this video for you. I gotta find this video for you because I literally... <laughs> oh my God. Um. Anyway, so it was in like the suite at a hotel, like the penthouse suite. So I'm like going up the elevator and I'm like starting to get nervous. And I walk in the room. It's this, the most massive hotel room I've ever seen. I had to walk across a rooftop terrace to get into it. And there's just like three publicists sitting at a table and he's, (laughs) this image still in my mind, I can't believe it was a real situation. He's sitting by a fireplace in two like lounge chairs that are placed in front of the fireplace. And I just walk in and he like stands up and he's like, hello. It was just like the most strange interaction that I was like having an out of body experience. And immediately I was like, I am in love with you, <laughs> but not really. But but I just immediately understood like the power of celebrity and how much it must change how people interact with you because there's just something, they have an aura to them. And Weirdly, I had just gotten engaged like four days before this. And so I sat down in the chair and I, before I even asked anything, he was like, your ring is beautiful. And it's just always stuck with me because it was the first compliment I ever got from a stranger on my engagement ring. Oh, my God. And I was like, I just got it. And he was like, you just got it? And I was like, we just got engaged. Anyway, he had just gotten married. So I was like, congrats on your marriage. Also, I'm in love with you. So this is confusing for me. But anyway that was I just was like oh I get the charm and the appeal that is like 
only celebrity. You know, there's nothing that changed about him in terms of seeing him on TV and seeing him in person other than just the aura of fame. I I feel like a lot of my my perceptions of celebrity interviewing are founded from Notting Hill when <laughs> when Hugh Grant oh. goes to the press junket and pretends to be from Horse and Hound magazine. So I mean, it's not totally off. <laughs> The, I mean, also, this kind of celebrity interviewing in the book is totally different than what I did, which is like you're promoting a product and you have to be a certain way and answer certain questions, which we always had to get approved. You know, it's not like we were like grocery shopping together or, or whatever. Would have been fun, though. Sure. Have you ever had a celebrity encounter? I've certainly met celebrities, but not in a capacity that I'm interviewing them. Okay. How did you feel about the interview sort of like hanging over Hani's career throughout the whole story? Oh my God, this pissed me off so much on her behalf. The idea of this, I don't want to belittle it, but like this puff piece interview that she did, following her around and being all people care about, I would be seething. Like this is not the right example, but I know John Mayer also talks about that, that like, the only thing people want to talk about is your body is a wonderland, but like, he's like the greatest guitarist of our time and how much it like bothers him. I mean, after reading Jessica Simpson's memoir, we're not team John Mayer here, but he's had a tough life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, let (laughs) your body is a wonderland hang over his head. The idea of like going on and improving your craft because she was so insecure when she wrote that. And she, she acknowledges that it's, she's proud of it and it's good, but like to then continue and to grow your skills and your career only to be defined by this one thing would be infuriating. Yeah. I 100% agree. And something I really loved about this book was the commentary about writing and about being a journalist and about writing for the internet and about what is taken more seriously and what is not. And the effects of something going viral. And I thought that was all really fascinating and mostly spot on. Did this make you think any differently about celebrity culture? It did for me in the sense that I'm generally like pretty skeptical about like celebrity conspiracy theories, like that JLo and and Ben is like a PR stunt. I'm always kind of like, come on, like that seems like so much work, but it kind of made me think more like that it's, Maybe there there is a lot of stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. What about you? Well, it definitely made me empathize more with armchair quarterbacking casting choices because in the first timeline, Gabe has been cast as James Bond. Like, they haven't started filming the movie. There's nothing on tape. And the commentary around it is like, what a terrible choice this is. You're so wrong. How could you do this? Not a frame of footage has been shot to say that he can't do this and the world is already against him. And I'm like, that must suck. He's working with an accent coach. He's like eating his lettuce diet. He's like doing, he's killing himself to do a good job at this. And the internet has already decided that he's going to do a terrible job. I've seen some of this in our own community with the idea of you casting because they cast Anne Hathaway and people are so dead set against it because it's not who they pictured, which I agree. It's like not who I pictured either. However, I don't know if the movie is filmed, but I don't think it has. You haven't seen it yet. Sure, it's a mismatch and it's disappointing, but the amount of vim and vigor around choices where you haven't even seen the output, right? it really made me empathize with that. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way, but it's a good point. It's like, who are who are any of us to say that we know better, really? Yeah. 
maybe it will suck. Like, you know, maybe Gabe would be a terrible James Bond or maybe Anne Hathaway will be a terrible Solen. But I don't know. It's like, wait till you see it to, to judge, like judge the effort of the output. How much of the book and specifically the details about Oliver and Oliver's career, which, by the way, I thought that was one of the most impactful parts of the book was the friendship between Gabe and Oliver. I really loved. I loved that. It was awesome and added so much depth to the characters and the plot, I think. But how much of that do you think is reflective of how Hollywood operates today or has in the past 10 years? So I would have said that I didn't think it was true. And in the last like year or six months or something, and I, 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 I like, I'm going to tell the vaguest story because I, I don't want to disclose anyone's identity. Oh, is there? Are you about to spill some tea? I've always wanted to say no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> but basically, somebody was telling me about this actor who is secretly out to everyone in hot in the know, but like is not out to the public because he's like a sexy kind of like a sexy actor who women are attracted to. And he was, I don't know. I don't know how to tell this story without giving anything away. It's not mine to tell. And I like don't care, but I was like, Oh, that's, that's like really interesting that that still happens. And mm-hmm. then I also saw this week that there was a headline about this guy who was the first openly gay soccer player in like the English Premier League. And I'm like, there is no way that there is only one gay soccer player in the English Premier League. I don't know if that's the right league, but like, you know, in in the English soccer universe. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's even I know that Michael Sam was like the first NFL player to to be openly gay, but I don't even know if he's playing still. I don't know if there's maybe there's one or, or two. I don't know. I can't really comment on sports, but you know, I think it is, I think it is something that probably still happens more often than we would, than we would think. Yeah. That's sad, but, but I think you're right. Yeah. Let's take an ad break. If there's anything I have learned about Becca on this podcasting journey so far, it's that she truly, without a doubt, loves prose. I do. (laughs) She really does. If you're new here, prose is the most personalized hair care on the market. While I'm still waiting to try prose myself, I have to say that whenever someone raves so much and so naturally about a product as Becca does about prose, I immediately know it is the real deal. It's true. So I've been using prose for almost two years now, and I've been so impressed with the experience from start to finish from less frizz to more fullness and shine, the specific ways that Pro's products have improved how my hair looks and feels are endless. And I am not alone in having such a positive experience because Pro's has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which I know Olivia has taken too. Yes, I am finishing up my current bottles of shampoo and conditioner before I dive into Pro's, but I have to say I found the quiz questions fascinating and they made me so excited to try the products. I expected to be asked about how damaged my hair is or how thick or thin it might be, but I didn't even consider that the pros quiz would ask me about, for example, where I live, so it could determine if my hair could be affected by environmental factors. To be honest, I didn't even know that your hair could be affected by environmental factors before the pros quiz, so I was really learning a lot. All in all, the pros quiz actually analyzes more than 85 personal factors, determining a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact hair concerns. And it's risk-free. So if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. 
Pros is the healthy hair care regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash B-O-P. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Let's talk about the source material for this book, which is the, has it been confirmed that this is the inspiration or is this just assumed? I think it's mostly been confirmed. I listened to a a podcast interview with the author on First Draft with Sarah Enney, which is a great interview. And it was also really interesting because the author talks about kind of having a, a lackluster writing career prior to this book. And how she's kind of been, she'd been ghostwriting and she'd been publishing books that had like not really gotten any publisher support. So she just had a really interesting author journey. And she dances around saying it's officially this article, but she all but confirms it. Okay, so got it. And the article, if you're wondering, sorry, I didn't mention it when I first brought it up, but it's Chris Evans, American Marvel from June 2011 and... Yeah, I to be honest, I didn't read it. I looked at it because oh, I was, you didn't. I skimmed it. I was afraid it would okay. like color how I how I read the book, and then I just okay. didn't get to it after. However, like the the it was already done. I already just saw Chris Evans the whole time, and again, no complaints. But yeah, okay. what, what about you? Okay, so I didn't know this until afterwards. It's actually wild because in 2011, GQ was like obsessed with putting female journalists in like semi flirtatious situations with big celebrities. There is a Channing Tatum one where he goes camping with Jessica Pressler. There's this interview where Lisa Tadeo makes pasta with Bradley Cooper. There's a Tom Hiddleston one. Like, I don't know. Anyway, there's a bunch of them. But I didn't know about this until after I read the book. And Claire Mazur told me because I, I, I was like, I think it's about Channing Tatum. And she was like, no, it's definitely Chris Evans. Read this article. <laughs> and this article is wild. It's like... 2011 pop culture was just such a different time. So basically, it's on the eve of Chris Evans being cast as Captain America. Or he's already been cast, but he hasn't, the movie hasn't come out. The journalist goes and has lunch with him at, it's like a pub in the in the article. And then he invites her to his going away party. Unclear where he was going away to, I don't remember. Okay, so, so yeah, she, basically the same exact... <laughs> Yeah, so she like goes to this party, gets loaded, and then ends up sleeping at his house and then sneaking out of his house out of a window, but like falling into a gutter, basically. <laughs> and then the part that is not included is then the next week in New York, he's there for something. She like meets up with him also for the interview with meets his mom. And so there's a lot in here that's like, this is the source material. Okay, okay. I'm actually very glad I didn't read it beforehand because... I would have been like, oh, it's the same. (laughs) I mean, obviously, I know there are differences. There are differences. It's a short article, so it doesn't feel. And there's definitely things that are original in the book. It's interesting. It makes it more interesting to me that this is pulled from, like, a real-life situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a good point. Because as I was reading, I was like, this couldn't happen. Then I was like, well, this, I mean, not the hooking up part, maybe. But (laughs) in terms of, like, the flirtation. I was looking yesterday, there was reaction articles to this GQ article speculating that she had sex with him and then also like decrying the the journalistic integrity of this. And, you know, like there is a there was a backlash. And I think also she was photographed with him on a red carpet 
I think it was in New York. They went to a play together or something. And like the New York Post picked it up with like Chris Evans and Mystery Woman. Oh, man. It's it's so juicy. It's so wild. But wait, is this a known thing in journalism or was this just like a moment in time? I don't think so. I mean, I never had aspirations to do these sort of big like interviews. I think I would freak out. I get so nervous around celebrities. So case in point, Kit Harrington. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's a thing. I'm not sure. Maybe it was just a moment in time. I mean, I guess I don't read a lot of GQ articles, but it really seemed like there was there was a trend where they were like, let's put female journalists in a compromising position with like A-list male celebrities so that it seems like they might have hooked up. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the dumbest idea in the world, I guess, given how much people are losing their minds over funny you should ask. Like, there's something about it that is really... Well, there's also the idea that I don't know what the author of the real piece looked like, but even just saying, using the characters, that Chris Evans, who's such a stud, could fall in love with Hani Horowitz, who's like this nervous, awkward person. Like, it's almost like how the internet lost their mind over Jen A. Slate and Chris Evans. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ridiculous and offensive. And she's also gorgeous, so not to say anything about her but the internet thinks that like this right. stud is achievable that like you know if chris evans was dating megan fox she would be like yeah yeah okay yeah they'll just stay up there in their stratosphere <laughs> exactly versus versus like him dating somebody that you're like oh maybe i do have a chance yeah and it, well it's also like men men's standard of like who we view as like perfect is so different than like celebrities we view women who are quote you know quote unquote like the most beautiful in Hollywood like it's a totally different like men can be a little rugged or weird or whatever and women I don't know so I think there's part of that in there too which is kind of silly but I don't know it forced me to think about how I view celebrities and beauty for sure (laughs) Should we transition out of book talk and get into some end matter? Yes, let's. Tell me your obsession. My obsession is a long time obsession. It is my waterproof Birkenstocks. I Now, are they actual Birkenstocks or knockoffs? Yes, but I think the knockoffs are kind of the same thing. When you're talking about like the rubber ones that are waterproof, I think you can go to Walmart and probably get the same kind. But I'm just staying loyal to the Birkenstocks. Finish telling me about yours because I have I have an add-on to this. Oh, okay. So I had a white pair that I wore probably multiple times a day for the vast majority of last year. And I wore them basically into the ground. And then I specifically brought them to Portugal because I was like, I'll throw them out at the end of the trip and then it'll make space in my suitcase when I come back because they were falling apart. And I replaced them with like this really pretty light blue almost like lilac color pair for this summer and they make me happy they're comfortable and easy to clean hmm so i got a pair of the freedom moses last year which are cheaper than birkenstocks but there's definitely cheaper amazon ones and i did not like them like they cut up my feet like i didn't like the rubber ones but this year tybal our you know lord and savior of recommendations (laughs) on the internet recommended these foam ones that are literally like $13 on Amazon. And I got a pair. They're so comfortable. Are they also waterproof? Don't know. Hmm. They're like pool noodle foam. Oh. Maybe? Yeah. It's weird. That was the perfect description. I instantly could picture them in my head. I still have questions. 
Me too. Like, is a pool noodle waterproof? Like, kind of. I, I hope so. It's not water repellent, but it's like not going to get damaged by the water. All I know is that when I think of a pool noodle, I think about that thing you used to do in pools as a kid where you try to blow the water out and you'd like do dueling. Like, were we really that bored as children that we were like, we're going to try to like basically waterboard each other with this pool noodle and see who wins? Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I, I'm a big fan of them. I actually was thinking of making them my obsession. Oh, well, tell me about your your real obsession or your other obsession this week. My real obsession, so I, I told you how uh, Spindrift sent me a bunch of seltzer. No money changed hands. They literally just sent me seltzer. I'm, I'm so easy to be bought, apparently, because the pineapple Spindrift seltzer, I'd never had it before. And when I posted my Instagram about this, like so many people DM'd me and they were so right. Have you ever had it? No, but I love pineapple. It's incredible. It tastes like a watered-down version of those mini cans of pineapple juice, which are too sweet for me anyway, so that's perfect. And it's sparkling. It is delightful. I'm so into it. I also found out that this little grocery store slash bodega that's, like, down the street from my house stocks them. Not Food Town. Damn it. Food Town does not stock it. I should know um, better. I should know better. I'm so into the pineapple spindrift. Also, so many people said that it makes a great mixer if you put like tequila or vodka in it, which I think would be incredible. But it is Ooh. so tasty. Or rum. But, I'm not really a rum drinker. Oh, okay. Neither am I, but I love a pina colada. So that's all mm. I could think of. You could also okay. get the coconut LaCroix and then you could do a little like. Mm. Mm. <laughs> You've got to find these. They're okay. so good. I'll go to my seltzer emporium down the street. It's different than a seltzer. Okay. Because it's so much more flavorful that I couldn't pound five of them in a day the way I can, like, cans of LaCroix. Okay. Well, I'm curious. I would love to make some little mixed drinks for the patio with that. So I'm sold. They should They should be giving you money. It feels like a treat drink. Like, it feels like even if you were just like, I did, I did my writing for the day. <laughs> now I can have a pineapple spinner. I've, I've been in this habit, actually, of, like, at 5.30 when I'm, like, wrapping up the day, writing my to-do list for tomorrow, I will, like, treat myself to a sparkling water. I'm like, it's, mm. been, a, it's been a hard day. Mama needs a treat. And then I will open up. This feels like treat sparkling water, for okay. sure. Okay, good to know. I will, I will add it to the list. What have you been reading lately? Oh, I've been reading a lot. So I finished Flying Solo by Linda Holmes. Loved. Just warm happy hug of a book loved it from start to finish that comes out in june then i read this time tomorrow by emma straub in advance of the interview but we recorded things a little weird because we recorded the intro outro first and then we recorded the interview after so i I didn't say it in that episode and i like didn't want people to think that i didn't read and love the book because i did i loved the book it was like hard and tender at the same time Yeah. You know, because it's like teens behaving badly, but then it's also like the story of her and her dad and like nostalgia for your teen years. And I just, oh, I just loved it. Yeah, me too. And then I read Mad About You by Vari McFarlane, who is my favorite British rom-com author. And this is her latest book. It just came out in the US this month. It is not quite a rom-com. She, uh, okay, real talk. It is not my favorite book of hers. However, The sentence level writing and the humor in her writing is so incredible. Like the same way that like Dolly Alderton writes in ghosts, 
the writing is so incredible. So as somebody who's writing something, I was just like bowled over. It frankly sent me into an existential like panic. <laughs> it was great. So the book is about a woman who's a wedding photographer who's dating this guy. They end up breaking up and she moves in with a, a stranger, another guy who she doesn't know. And her like worst secret comes out. And so she she kind of like bonds with this roommate guy over her circumstances. Hmm. Sounds good. It was the plot was fine. It was just it was so well written. I'll have to check it out. Is that what sent you into a panic the other day about <laughs> about book writing? Yeah, it was part of it. It was that. And then I started to reread Book Lovers by Emily Henry. And it was really like the one two punch of that. And I was like, I'll never be able to write like this. <laughs> you will. But I, I know that feeling. I don't think I will. I think that it is just so exceptional what both of them do. And so I think I need to like. You do something different. But yeah, I need to compare myself to other people. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What did you read? So I also read This Time Tomorrow and by Emma Straub, obviously. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It kind of felt to me weirdly like a short story. Like it felt very Mm. focused and like warm. And there are some really emotional parts to it as well. But I just I really enjoyed it. And it is such an introspective book. It really forces you to think about your life, your friends, your family, how you grew up. It's just it was really nice. I'm also reading The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins, which is not new. Have you read this, Becca? Probably. I have not. No. Um, It's a thriller. It's apparently based on, it's like a retelling of Jane Eyre, which I didn't know reading it. It's been a very long time since I've read Jane Eyre. It is about a dog walker with like a mysterious past who... Oh! Yeah. (laughs) Dog walker with a mysterious past was not where I thought this was going. I know, I know. I'm trying to think of the best way to summarize it, but she ends up falling for this widowed guy in the neighborhood and his wife and her best friend are missing. So it has a lot of sort of common thriller themes. So far, it's it's good. It's like when you're craving a thriller, it, it would be a good choice, I think. Finally, I am reading Cover Story by Susan Rigetti, which I think you must have talked about on here recently. I did, yeah. Okay, so I don't want to like rehash the whole plot, but it's sort of like an Anna Delvey-esque feeling to it about a scammer, I'm presuming, um, told from the perspective of a college student who interns at L, meets this Anna Delvey-like character who convinces her to drop out of college and move in with her at the Plaza Hotel. So I'm about maybe 70% of the way through it now. Super fast-paced. And I kind of wish I just had a pool to sit in for a few hours Mm. and read it instead of like reading it in chunks, which is a good feeling. So yeah, a uh, a potential for, for June book club. Speaking of, we need a few more days to figure out our June book club pick. So take a peek at Instagram. We'll announce it sometime between now and June 1st. We're excited to read with you. Yes, as always. <laughs> and if you'd like more of us, you can check out the Bad on Paper Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.